Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Mobile Rolling and what a night we've got coming our way on Saturday night. This is the first of three huge nights at Albion Park. The feature this week is the Rising Sun, the inaugural running of the Rising Sun. $250,000 up for grabs, but if one of the two three-year-olds, Krugel, cashed up, if they take the prize, there's a $100,000 bonus. It's a, a new race, an intriguing race. It's got everybody talking and what a race we've got on our, on our hands on Saturday night. The favourite for the event with Tab is Expensive Ego. He's got to overcome a second row draw and he's on the backup after scoring their last Saturday night. Luke and Belinda McCarthy with two runners in the race. Expensive Ego and Spirit of St Louis who's unbeaten here in Australia three for three. Luke McCarthy drives Albion Park better than anyone else. His record here at the track is fantastic and he's the man in the hot seat with Expensive Ego and he joins us first up this morning. Luke, I really appreciate the time. Yeah, good morning Chris. Tell me, just with this race, as I said, the inaugural running of the Rising Sun, it's something a little bit different. We've got these wild cards with uh, invites. We've got three-year-olds. What's your thoughts on the whole concept of the Rising Sun? Do you like it? Oh, of course, Chris. It's, um, you know, full credit to uh, Racing Queensland and, you know, for putting on this race. And, you know, it's got a lot of boom behind it. And, you know, it's attracted, you know, it's some really good three- and four-year-olds and, um, I'm sure it's going to be a really good race. Do you think it's something that can uh, can continue to evolve in years to come? Oh, for sure. And it's only going to get better. Um, obviously, with all the COVID restrictions, it makes it a little bit hard. And, you know, you have still managed to get Krug and copy that here. So, you know, I'm sure the Kiwis uh, in times, future times, especially with it being not far after the jewels, it'll fit their criteria good and, you know, and it fits... You know, all the east, especially the eastern states. Um, see any good three and four year olds over the next, you know, for the next few seasons. We can obviously aim towards this race. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the time for talk is now over. The barrier draw was done on Monday night. Uh, everyone's had a thought. Everyone's got a, uh, a, a a thought line of how this race is going to unfold. What was your thoughts following the barrier draw? Were you happy with gate nine and ten for your two runners? Yeah, re really happy with the draws, Chris. Um, sort of just, I didn't want to draw inside the back row on Ego. He just sort of hoped to get a draw where he could get in the running line reasonably quickly. And um, so that, you know, that's an ideal draw for him just to be able to follow through. And Lewis, Lewis is probably, I know he's sort of done a bit of work in his three runs in Australia, but he's, we probably feel he's, he'll be better driven with the sit. So he's, he's got an ideal draw where he can just get in the running line and, and come with one run. Okay, just to be clear, you were always going to be driving expensive ego? Oh, for sure, yep. Okay. You've paved the way for young Leonard Kane. He's uh, snared the drive on Spirit of St. Louis. That's a huge uh, moment for this young man. Oh, for sure. And, you know, Leonard's a very good driver and, you know, he grew up driving at Albion Park. He knows the track like the back of his hand and, um, you know, he does the hard yards with working the horses with the team so you know we we thought he deserved the drive and he has the ability you know to to make the right choices in in the race as well okay 
tactically, I'm sure you've gone over this race a number of times. How do you pull it apart? Do you think Krug will hold up from the inside? Do you think he gets crossed? How long does it take you to get outside the leader at some point in this race? Well, there's probably a few things that can happen if um, Krug's quick enough to lead, which, yeah, he's naturally a quick horse. Um, he's going to be very hard to beat, and, and I'd, I'd have him as, as the one to beat, um, off, especially off his Auckland derby run where he just brained him. He, you know, he, he was very impressive at Redcliffe. He's obviously a special horse, and you know, even though copy that strong bad, you can't, you can't ride him off. He was super last week, and you know, his record speaks for itself. So look, it's going to be a great race, and you know, with Ego, he, I can drive him however I see the race present itself. You know, he, He's very versatile. He can come off the speed. He can do work. He's strong. So, no, it's just going to be a good race. Will you be shocked if the winner doesn't come from the big trio, Krug, Expensive Ego and Copy That? Yeah, but the other one I really respect, um, especially like the Sydney form stacks up, whether it comes to Brisbane or Melbourne, is Bundurin. He's been, you know, he's got a draw where he can sort of slide across and probably end up you know, one, 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 two. So he's the other horse I'd, um, I'd put in the mix with them ones. Okay. And just as you outlined then, uh, talking about Krug and Copy That, you've got Krug slightly ahead of Copy That in your ratings at this point? Yeah, only because of the draw. Um, or, or, you know, you wouldn't split them other than that, but just Barry 13 compared to Barry 1, obviously Krug's got the better draw. Were you surprised with how quickly Copy That was able to finish off taking the Wandai's mate last week? Oh, probably not. He, um, he's just a fast horse, and like you said, he, he is one-time favourite for the New Zealand Cup, so, you know, he's got the class to do that, and once he got out, he rocketed home, and, you know, he, I think we're, you know, we all know how good he is, and, and, he, and he stood up and showed that on the weekend. Last week, he had the inside of the second row. On Saturday night, he's got to overcome the outside of the second row. Do you think it's a better draw than last week, or do you think uh, you know they'll just sort of driving quite similar to what they did last week? Well, I don't know. I, I presume when they drew inside the back row last week, they're obviously happy to stay there and not give him a hard run, and you know he got the brakes come his way and he hit the line good. So you know they're a smart camp. They've looked after him and he, he went good. Um, whether Ants decides to push through early to get ahead of me, he may do that. Um, you know, or or if he decides to drive him into city, either way, he's you know in definite danger. Okay, coming back to Ego, uh, do you think you're going to be parked out at some part of this race? Uh, is that where you've got to win it from? Do you think you'll have to be outside the leader? Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy to be there. Um, he races so good outside the leader, and um, you know he's, he's probably just as good outside the leader as he's in front. He switches right on. His chariot's run was amazing. From that, a wide gate, you know, three wide of the breach, didn't get the breach to the half and went really good. So, look, if, if I have to do that, um, you, you know off his previous form that he can. Last week he rated 52. He was the quickest winner on that 11-race program last Saturday night. Some are saying, oh, it was, it was a hard run. But you, you don't subscribe to that theory. You think he's spot on. Yeah, we wanted him to have a hard run. He, um, he's a big stallion. He, he just thrives off them hard runs. Um, when he won the chariots, I think he'd raced five weeks in a row and got better every week. So, you know, we'll, we wanted to go there Saturday night and give him a real good blow. And, you know, he, he's come through that amazing. He wouldn't have blew a candle out after the run. So, 
um, you know, we're really happy with where he's at and looking forward to the Saturday night. Well, he's unbeaten at Albion Park. Five starts, five victories. He's now had 13 starts for your stable. He's won 10. Do you know the last horse that beat Expensive Ego? Um, Boots Electric. King of Swing. Oh, American Wall, sorry. I was thinking the yeah. four-yard races. Yeah, King, exactly. King of Swing, yep. Mm. Not a bad form line, is it? <laughs> no, it's great. He, um, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that Miracle Mall. He, um, look, he, he's run the Miracle Mall. is amazing. Obviously, King's a hard horse to get past, and yeah, he went and sat outside him and stuck to his guns and finished right with him. So, look, what he's done as a four-year-old is only going to put him instead, you know, as a really good, hopefully, five, six, seven-year-old. Okay, just a couple of quick ones. Does he back up next week in the Sunshine Sprint and then the Blacks are fake, or does he miss next week and then just go to the Blacks are fake? Um, the owners just sort of thought they'd wait and see um, how Saturday night plays out and how hard a running has, um, whether they go to the Sunshine Sprint and the Blacks are fake. So, look, that'll be completely up to the owners and just let the horse, you know, he comes through that run and go from there. But uh, look, the way he thrives on the race and I'd be hinting that he'd probably go to it. Okay. And with Spirit of St. Louis, he's unbeaten for the stable, three for three. He's been driven upside down. He gets a perfect opportunity here on Saturday night to be quite dangerous, quite lethal with that change-up speed that he possesses. Do you expect him to be charging hard late? Oh, for sure. He's, you know, he's a very fast horse and uh, I, I think the only way he can win it is if the race is thrown upside down and all the big guns go to war too early and you know that last quarter is the slowest where he, he'd be running on so I do think them other horses are a bit more seasoned than probably a step above him but he, he he's an opportunist if he gets the right luck in running I'm sure he'll be running on strong. Okay talking about King of Swing he steps out on Saturday night as well going around at the Mr Feelgood Open uh, two runs back he's won them both last time out in the Lucky Creed he was in total control how's he been since? Yeah, really good, Chris. He, um, his work's been super. He's jumping out of his skin and um, we sort of opted to give him a, a good run this week before the Sunshine Sprint. He's always sort of bounced out of each run really strong like that. And um, Yeah, we're looking forward to Saturday and then obviously the Sunshine Sprint and Blacks of Hope. How hard do you think this race will be on Saturday night? Do you think you'll find the front or do you think you've got to park out with him as well? Oh, I haven't had a real good look yet, Chris, but he... You know, he's naturally quick out. He can work forward and um, he can lead. If he has to sit outside him, it, it won't bother him. He's such a good racehorse. Um, yeah, you can just sort of drive him however you need to. OK. And uh, he's got the next two weeks coming up, so he's ready to go. So you can't have him any better? No, he's spot on. We give him a private trial Sunday at Albion Park. He works phenomenal and um, he's exactly where he needs to be. OK. The other key drive for you on Saturday night is our Princess Tiffany. She goes around in the Fleur de Lille, a race near and dear to your heart. She is the favourite with Tab at this point. She's got the inside gate. The obvious question is, can she hold up from the inside? You're the man in the hot seat here. Do you think you've got enough to uh, to kick through and lead in this field? Yeah, not sure, Chris. She's, um, she gets out good without being brilliant. Um, so we'll just come out as quick as we can and, and hopefully we can.
All right, it's a massive night coming through. The first of three big nights. Uh, six winners for the stable last week. You're set to play a massive hand again. You've got uh, two of the absolute uh, best names in the business strutting their stuff on the weekend with Expensive Ego and King of Swing. Really appreciate the time. We'll see you trackside. Yeah, really looking forward to it, Chris, and just great to be part of the carnival. Excellent stuff. There he is, champion driver Luke McCarthy. As I said, no one drives Albion Park better than Luke McCarthy. His record is phenomenal, in particular with the big races, and uh, his talent was uh, certainly on display there last Saturday night. Brittany Graham's going to be trackside. Uh, there's a few grey skies above in Brisbane as we speak right now, and I'm sure she's outside just uh, doing a little bit of a, uh, a dance to make sure those rain clouds go away, because we want a fine night on Saturday night. We want a fine night over the next three Saturday nights. Brittany Graham from Sky Racing joins us now. Britt, good morning. Good morning, Chris. Just having a look at the weather forecast now. Top of 20, sunny during the day and a low of 9. So let's hope that they're right for once. That's OK, because as long as there's no rain, I'm sure you can work with those conditions. Yes, I'll probably be able to work with any condition come Saturday night, considering the program, Chris, but it certainly makes it a little more enjoyable. OK, I've got to ask the question. The first ever edition of The Rising Sun, the hype is extreme right now. Are you at all surprised that this race has been able to generate the uh, the buzz that it has? Uh, to be honest, probably a little bit. We, we wanted to have this race run last year, obviously, and I actually remember when it was uh, released that this was the plan that I thought, mm, that's interesting, but... Um, particularly with the three-year-olds taking on the four-year-olds because it's probably not something that we've seen in the past. And I was somewhat questioning whether the three-year-olds would really want to become involved. But that $100,000 bonus has certainly uh, ensured that that be the case. And probably as well for the Kiwis, particularly highlighting Krug, the fact that, again, their mindset is that Krug in what would have been usual times would be turning four in only a few months' time. So they probably see him as wanting to have to step up to open class within the next few months anyway. So it's an opportunity to dip his toe in the water against horses that are only a year old or as opposed to seasoned, hardened open class horses. Um, so it will be interesting, but, yeah, in, I guess, closing, no, not surprised that it's got to this level now but probably when it was initially touted I thought it was an interesting concept but it works because there is I think a real lapse in the program for four-year-old horses and this year can be so hard on them as a bridging year that it seems the obvious target now for horses to target the chariots of fire and then the rising sun with an opportunity to then dip their toe in the water. Yeah fair enough. Who wins this race on Saturday night? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? And everybody has such differing opinions. I'm with Krug. I'm with him at the moment due to a few different scenarios unfolding. I think as much as there's conjecture about this run to the first turn, he's quick. And just looking back at replays that I've seen, he's never really been asked aggressively off the arm. Now, I'm not sure if they would want to change that come Saturday night in a race worth this much money, but they're probably going to have to. But in my speed map, I think Kowalski analysis is just so quick, that first 50 metres. And sometimes a one-barrier draw could actually have horses not leave as quick as they do from outside gate. So I do think Kowalski analysis will cross, but I'm also of the opinion that Krug will have plenty of room to work with from that point onwards because we know that Cashed Up's probably not the quickest horse off the arm. We haven't seen extreme gate speed from Amazing Dream either. So 
maybe Blair Orange would be more of the opinion that it would be better to maybe concede to Kowalski analysis early on if it looks as though he's going to be able to work away from the inside because I do think that the lead will be there for the taking once more. And off his performance in the Redcliffe Derby and his staying performances in his derbies in New Zealand, and the fact that he rated 54 off the pegs at Redcliffe, if he can rate 53 or 52 on the pegs at Albion Park for this 2,100-metre trip, what are those from back in the field going to have to run? So I'm sticking with him, but I must say I'm scared of multiple horses. And I really can't believe the fact that Amazing Dream was $19 last night. Seems an incredibly good price for a mare that probably maps the best of the rest. Okay, one question I've got to ask now that you're tipping Krug and the tactics are, are so vital early. What's a suicidal lead time, in your opinion, for, for Krug if he's to try and take this field all the way or even, like you said, maybe even a retake move early? Yeah, I had a good think about this because the lead time is going to be vital. If Krug is able to find his way to the front by say, as they turn into the back straight and can get a little breather through the, I guess, the latter stages of the lead time. I don't think that's the end of the world. And of course, it will entice expensive ego to come calling early. But I think if they break 36 for the lead time, uh, that's when it could get a little bit concerning if you're on the three-year-old. Okay, but you're going with Krug to take out the inaugural running of the Rising Sun for Aqua Constructions there on Saturday night. Is there something else on this program that stands out for you at this early stage? It's a great card right across the board, though, aside from that race, which, as you mentioned, um, it just bodes so well for the remainder of this carnival. I know this is the first of the serious nights, but last week was awesome as well. But the mares are really intriguing me as we lead towards the Golden Girl next week. That first race last week was super, and the Fleur de Lille on Saturday night is also shaping really well. I'm looking forward to seeing Spellbound because her performance at Menangle last time out was super, and the draw will give us a really good guide on just how good she is, Spellbound. We know that she's been excellent in uh, New South Wales at that last run and Victoria prior, but I think she's going to have to do work on Saturday night, so it will be interesting to, to find out that about her. Um, so I'm looking forward to that mayor's race as well because I can expect fireworks early on. I think that first quarter is going to be sizzling and uh, that sets it up to be a really intriguing battle late. Yeah, that'll be a, a special moment if uh, they can walk away with a feature win there. Uh, Father-son combination, Nathan and Mark Purden, they've both tasted success individually here at Albion Park previously, but never together. But they've got a great opportunity here with Spellbound on Saturday night. That's race four, the Fleur de Lille. Brittany, as always, really appreciate the time. Uh, looking forward to Saturday night. You're going to be heading up the, uh, the coverage on Sky Racing. I'm sure it's going to be extreme. It's a, a wonderful card. Fingers crossed that the other uh, weather gods are kind. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks, Chris. There's Brittany Graham joining us, so you'll be able to catch all of uh, all of the action on Saturday night with Brittany heading up that coverage uh, from Albion Park. So 10 races, our first race getting underway at 4.50. Before we get to Albion Park, Gloucester Park with a feature night coming through tomorrow night. The Group 1 Golden Slipper is the feature. It is for the two-year-olds, as you would expect. And what a race this is going to be. Our man that joins us each and every Thursday is Matty Young. He's online with us now. Matty, good morning. Good morning to you, Chris. Who wins the Golden Slipper? Very good question. Uh, it's, it's a pretty tricky race. Uh, the barrier draw, I don't think they could have asked for a better barrier draw to create a great deal of interest with the newcomer to the inside, their swing band after 
uh, rating the quickest mile rate for the two-year-olds of the year, 154.2, and did it with something in reserve. It looked to be at Pinjari. Does step up to 21.30 for the first time in his racing career. So he creates a lot of interest. You're so fine, of course. Fifth in the Emerald on Jules Day. A very talented type and uh, trolled up really nicely for Gary Hall Sr., Gary Hall Jr., uh, his first run in the state. Wonderful to fly the filly. She's won her last four, including the bracelet, the Westbred Classic and the Westside Classic. So she's been in wonderful form. And then you've got the uh, the Campo Trio, uh, the Mickey Taker, winner of the Pearl, Rock on Top, winner of the Westbred and Flow Rider, winner of the uh, Sales Classic. And uh, even to extend even further, Tricky Mickey's been wonderfully consistent since starting his career. And what are the odds who has been Probably the benchmark for the two-year-olds for the majority of the season for the Colts has yet to crack it for a Group 1, but he's got a decent draw. So there are several theories on how this race is going to be run, and it's really hard to try and define a winner at this stage. Okay. Just on swing band, is there a horse in Perth that Kevin Jevons doesn't have a piece of that looks like being an absolute world-beater in time to come? He's got swing band, he's got Mr. Fantastic, and as we all know, he's got shockwave as well. He's got some real firepower at his disposal right now. Absolutely right, and uh, he has had a couple of uh, uh, duds over the years, but he's got a really strong stable at this stage. So, yeah, swing band, very well-bred. Elder Cristiano, we know how good he was on the racetrack and the heights that he was never able to reach due to uh, injury. Uh, he's produced so many great horses already and unfortunately it will fade in his career and we won't get to see as many older Cristianos on the track but this is one out of a very very good man by the name of Better's Gem so uh, bred in the purple and performed so well on Monday at Pinjarra 27-7 the first quarter and didn't look like he was going any quicker than 30 and then just slipped home in good sections and did so under his own steam so the horse has got tremendous ability creates a lot of X factor and uh, the interest is definitely there now. He's come up with barrier one. Does Shockwave win again tomorrow night? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. It's a very intriguing race. Uh, too fast, too serious. Mighty Conqueror was enormous last start, and I thought he was just as good as Shockwave. So uh, I think Mighty Conqueror might push forward and potentially get to the top here, and from there, he'll be very hard to beat. So... Uh, it creates a lot of interest, that race. It's not as just as easy as a put-in takeout job for Shockwave. Only six horses in the race, but, boy, it's a talented field. Best bet coming through at Gloucester Park tomorrow night? Uh, this one will be winning. Race two, number two, Tyler Brett. Uh, this horse is... I think he's only ever been beaten once when he is led and so, or when he's crossed down of the marker pegs because he actually handed up. He's been pretty unlucky, this preparation. A few things going wrong here and there. But he's got the draw to run straight to the top. It's a nice drop in grade, and I think he'll be leading and winning. Race two, number two, Tyler Brett. Tyler Brett is the winner, uh, the winner, hopefully, for us tomorrow night. As always, Matt, really appreciate the time. We'll be chatting next week. Cheers, Chris.